0: I'm Wounded Crooner, Lincoln Barr, and you're listening to The Remix.
1: What's the punishment for refusing your birthright? You can ask me once I forfeit my Failure in hindsight But the sentence does ensue The cry Cause don't weight of your mantle
2: Welcome back to the remix right here on Cairo Radio. My name is Sean. This is a song called Giving Up My Inheritance. From a uh, Seattle musician, local dude named Lincoln Barr, and he's got a new record coming out. His first solo album called Trembling Frames, coming out February 10th, and I have—I uh, happen to have Lincoln Barr sitting mere feet from me. I'd say, what, six feet? On a good day. I'd yeah. say this is a good day. <laughs> this is a darn good day. Lincoln, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. So... Um, If people don't know you, uh, you are in a band or were in a band. I don't know the status of Red Jacket Mine. That's where we first met probably three years ago now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, We're in low activity mode. We still exist. Like my libido right now, yeah. low activity mode. Yours it's too, still, huh? It still exists. Seasonal but... affective <laughs> disorder, I guess. Sure. Um, I uh, yeah, yeah. We still exist, but it's uh, we're a little bit in, in hibernatory mode right now because we're spread out
2: all over Washington State, mm-hmm. and uh, and I've got this new record. We we came in with a song called uh, "Giving Up My Inheritance," and. It's a really great song and it's really jazzy. Your whole, the whole album is sort of very I don't know if you would describe describe it as like sort of jazzy and I don't want to say easily easy listening because that makes me think of like <laughs> Phil Collins. But how would you describe this record and and Red Jacket Mine because they're very different with, with yeah. the sound and tone. You know, I
0: describe this record as vocal pop mm-hmm. in the true in the sort of 50s 60s sense. I mean, we're talking about Dion Warwick. Dusty Springfield, that kind of music. Mm-hmm. And that came straight out of jazz, you know, Dean Martin, Sinatra, Little Jimmy Scott, things like that. Right. So definitely, you know, very, I'm not a jazz musician. I don't have the training or the skills really, but I love that music. And certainly the structure of these songs comes straight out of, you know, sort of jazz standard structure.
2: The thing about this album too is not only is it your first solo record, but I don't know if you were expecting to write this record. I I absolutely was not. No, (laughs) Because you wrote a song called How to Escape, and this was sort of a breakthrough for you. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that song and where you were and and what made you write this and a little bit of the background of, of what this album is about.
0: Okay, yeah. I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, How to Escape was a breakthrough for me. It was a breakthrough for me sort of harmonically and in sort of a new vocabulary musically. Um, That, you know, I'd sort of been Red Jacket Mind had been working in this more power poppy sort of vein for the last few years and to, you know, great success, at least artistic success, you know, and I'm still really happy with those records. But we'd done that for a couple of years and I was really at a I was feeling pretty stuck and stagnant creatively. And I also just wasn't really writing anything after the last Red Jacket Mind record. I wasn't writing anything that really meant anything to me. I was kind of chipping away, but everything felt very, you know, much the same, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, ground that we'd covered already. And I wrote this song and it it surprised me. It was the first time I'd surprised myself in a long time. And that's a really good feeling. You know, the other reason that it surprised me is because I was I found myself speaking very directly about things that I'd never spoken about before in song or quite honestly, even, you know, person to person. And that came straight out of you know a number of years and, and years that kind of continue to some you know extent of being very depressed and not really understanding where those feelings
2: were coming from. Right now, because you said, uh, or I've read. Um, that you you were in therapy, and I don't know if you still are, but yeah. you were in therapy for a while, mm-hmm. and you sort of realized uh, you had some inner sort of demons that you were covering up regarding uh, maybe an abusive childhood. Is that That's, accurate? That is accurate.
0: Um, yeah, you know, I've I've struggled with depression and feeling suicidal for really my whole life, and mm. certainly my whole adult life. Um, in my twenties, less so. I was able to kind of. P- power through it mm-hmm. but I found myself I was just you know as the years piled up I was just running and I got to in my early 30s I got to a point where I couldn't outrun it anymore it right. was gaining on me and, like, like memories and thoughts were just starting to stay a little bit I don't bit even longer. know if it was that I don't the, all those things were still way down below the surface you know what I mean I don't even think that I knew enough to have conscious memories about some of these things I think it was more just the feeling of despair and worthlessness, you right. know what I mean? That yeah. my life isn't worth living, it's not valuable, I, it should be over. Um, and it only only through therapy have I really come to terms with the fact that, yes, I was abused physically, severely, for most of my childhood, and that type of thing doesn't go away. Those scars remain and they shape the way that you look at yourself as an adult, even when your life is really good. Wow. <laughs> so it, that's what I've been dealing with. And that's, you know, the songs in the record really come out of that. Is this
2: record sort of, does it tell your story in order? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or or is it just, does the album just tell a story?
0: That's a good question. I don't know that it tells it in particularly in order, because I think that when you've, when you've gone through something like this, anything traumatic, really, um, I think your memory is very fragmented. When you go right. through a traumatic experience. And that's part of the problem. And that's why you're sort of overcome with these feelings that are very irrational of despair, is because you can't tell your story. It, your story is broken into a m- million pieces. And so I think the record jumps around a lot, you yeah. know, and there are some moments in the record that feel hopeful. And there are other moments that feel resigned. And I think, and, and that's a, that's a day for me, right. Of, yeah. <laughs> of <I've>, despair, hope, <laughs> resignation <laughs> and all around again. After writing this, were you just like, Oh my
2: God, I need like a vacation from
0: life. Uh, A little bit. I actually, actually it's a funny story. So we put together a great cast of musicians to make this record. And I Recorded it in early uh, 2016, in the, the end of January, and we'd put together this good cast. The songs were ready. We were ready to go. I could not sleep a wink that night. I'm so I'm going in to make the record of my life thus far. Right. We've got three days to do it. We're cutting it live in the studio. You know, no. No cutting it up after the fact and no... Oh, so you all played live. We all all played live. I sang live with the band, which I think is a big, you know, it it makes a big difference in the final product. Yeah. But I couldn't sleep at all the night before. And I really wondered why. I'm like, it was the kind of first day of school jitters, but it felt like more than that. And I realized that part of it is when you, I think a very common thing for people that are abused in any way, and I, and certainly this happened in my case, was you're told don't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Don't tell anybody that this happened, because you know. And there's there's lots of rationalization that happens there. And I w- here I was, I was about to tell the truth on a, in a very public and way, you know, and that I couldn't take back. Yeah. And I think that that was what had me so shaken, you know. But I we the sessions went great,
2: you know, it, despite my lack of sleep. And uh, here I am today. We uh we we need to take a break here, Lincoln. But uh, I want to talk to you about. Traveling to Oregon and how that was sort of a, a, mm. a turning point for you. Sure. Um, to actually write this record. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to we're gonna go to break here with a song called Memory Up and Die. I'm talking to Lincoln Barr. He's got a new record, his solo record, Trembling Frames, coming out February 10th. And this is the remix on Cairo Radio, 97.3 FM, Seattle's News, Seattle's Talk.
1: Memory up and die.
0: Hey, I'm Patrick Galactic. I make really scary psych folk, and you're listening to The Remix.
1: Welcome
2: back to The Remix here on Cairo Radio. My name is Sean. This is a song called Desperate Tormentors from a dude named Lincoln Barr putting out his very first solo record this February 10th, Trembling Frames. And I happen to have Lincoln Barr here in studio. And Lincoln, you are all set up over there across the room with your guitar in hand. Hello, Lincoln. I'm here. There you are. And you're gonna play what song are you gonna play for us here live in studio?
0: I'm gonna play the first song that I wrote for the record. It's called How to Escape. Right on, man. We'll take it
2: away. All right.
1: Ever strange fixation in me grew How to escape you I took your around Monitions like a pill. First they numbed my symptoms pretty well I held my tongue and swore I'd never tell How to escape hell How to escape I used to think Resistance made us strong escape you how to escape
2: And that was absolutely fantastic. Thank you. That was great. And again, that song was called How to Escape from Your Record Trembling Frames. So tell me uh, your, about your trip to Portland back in 2015. This was sort of a um, sort of a breakthrough for you. And if people yeah. are just tuning in, this record was a big deal. It is a big deal for you because this is tackling some of your past your past hardships of child abuse. Sure. And you're putting this out there for the first time, which yeah. is a big deal. And so you went down to Oregon. Tell me about how that was sort of a turning point.
0: Well, I didn't enter enter a rehabilitation facility down there, although it (laughs) it felt like it sometimes. Um, No, in the summer of 2015, I had a residency at a club called Al's Den in Portland, Oregon. It's right downtown. It's by the Crystal Ballroom. Mm -hmm. And and they do week-long residencies for artists. A lot of Northwest artists play. A lot of folks from Seattle go down and play. That was the first time I'd done one, and the only time. And I booked this and I'm like, I'm going to go down there and play solo. I'm going to invite my friends from Portland to open up or, you know, to collaborate with me. But I, you know, and the whole motivator was I need to finish writing a record, a record. And Mm -hmm. at the time, I think I probably thought it would be a Red Jacket Mine record. But I knew I didn't have enough songs and I needed motivation. Right. I needed compulsion. And uh, so I booked the... The gigs, you know, in early in 2015, and the dates approaching, I still don't really have a lot of songs. I'd written How to Escape. Right. I
2: maybe had Me Too, I think I'd written already. Mm-hmm. That was it. Wow. So you're going down there wanting to play new material. That's right. Not necessarily Red Jacket Mind stuff. That's exactly right. And you right. had two songs. <laughs> More or less, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, okay. and so about
0: six weeks before the... um the residency happened. The floodgates just open, and I, in in six weeks' time, in the sort of May fifteenth to July first, I wrote twelve songs or something wow. like that. Um, and you know that makes up the bulk of the record.
2: That takes a lot. I mean, for someone who can, for someone who is like suffers from depression and mm-hmm. you know some other things that are just not the greatest, you've got definitely some good motivation to be able to book a you know a show for a week without Mm. having any songs but maybe two of them i mean you you must have been really driven to to what what drove you to to do that well i mean that's always been my defense against depression Uh is
0: working Uh uh-huh and and making myself like setting deadlines setting goals and then making myself achieve those goals that's what i mean that's what got me to this point okay um that really stopped working uh, two or three years ago. And, and, and it wasn't enough. I continued to do those things. Mm-hmm. And I think I continued on the outside to be very productive and very, and seemingly fine. But on the inside, I was absolutely in crisis. And, um, but, but that didn't stop The even the crisis didn't stop my compulsion to work and my compulsion to run. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so that's probably what motivated me booking the gigs, but you know, Ultimately, it was a really healthy thing, but it was very scary going down and playing all these songs because I'd never played them for anybody, right? and I was saying things that i had never even, I'd, I'd scarcely thought, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. In front of perfect strangers. Um, it was a, yeah, I learned a lot from that experience, including like talking about child abuse very specifically makes people uncomfortable.
2: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wanted to ask you about that, actually. Um there was, uh, when you played down there in Oregon at Al's Den, you said, this is from your, your bio, but it says, some of the songs clearly made certain people uncomfortable. Yeah. Just tell me about that. What what happened? Like- well, there was the night that my dad showed up. Oh. No, no, I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, no, wouldn't, no. Wouldn't that have been something?
0: Yeah, it would. It would. He still hasn't heard any of these songs that I know of. Um, but, uh, no, I think it was more just a general feeling of unease, right? You uh-huh. know, and and. and, and Partially coming from me, I'm sure, you know, but it's my job. I'm in professional mode up there singing the song, sure. just trying to sing in tune and play the notes right. Um, so I'm a little bit dissociated from the subject matter in the moment, although I'm trying to get better about that and in connecting. That's, sure. that's part of my process. But I can um,
2: only imagine what the in-between song banter would be like.
0: Yeah, that part I that part honestly I'm still figuring out because it's really I these songs demand a different presentation and a different persona. Yeah. Hopefully myself, my real self. Right, you know, since <laughs> you're bearing it all. Right, this court jester thing just isn't going to work anymore. It undermines what I'm talking about in the songs, which I am very serious about. Right, um right. I still like to joke around and, and but it, but I don't want to um I don't want to undermine what I'm actually talking about because it is my real experience and I think it's important to talk about these things because like I said, you're told over and over again, don't tell anybody and that's what leads to that feeling of isolation.
2: Lincoln, I got to pause you right there. Uh, We are unfortunately running out of time here in this segment, but uh, if you can stick around, I'd love to uh, chat with you more about your album and also you have a show coming up that we haven't even talked about which is happening on March 8th. It's going to be super duper cool. So, um, I'm here with Lincoln Barr. He's got his debut solo record, Trembling Frames, coming out February 10th. And we're going to go out here with How to Escape, the song that this man just played in studio. But now you're getting the album version here on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM, Seattle's News, Seattle's Top. I
1: rest my chin,
0: I'm Wounded Crooner Lincoln Barr, and you're listening to the remix.
2: Remix here on Cairo Radio. This is a song called Memory Up and Die by Lincoln Barr from his new record, Trembling Frames, out February 10th. We've been chatting, well, I, the royal we, I suppose, I've been chatting with Lincoln this past hour about his new record and sort of the inspiration behind the new record. And so if you've been listening, you know what that's about, and it's kind of an intense thing. But uh, Lincoln, thank you again for joining me today on the Remix. Uh, You have a show coming up, actually, March 8th at the Royal Room in Columbia City. That's going to be, is that the uh, official record release show? It is. It's the Seattle
0: record release show. I'm doing a series of shows in the Northwest with uh, a lot of the folks that played on the record, including John Combertino from the band Calexico. He Mm -hmm. plays drums on the record. He's coming up to do these shows. Also, Levon Henry, the guy that plays saxophone and clarinet and stuff on the record, is coming out. Okay. So the full band shows, I'm doing uh, Seattle, Yakima, and Portland. The Seattle show is March 8th at the Royal Room.
2: So, have you played out with these songs uh, since uh, Oregon, Al's Den? I, I have. I've been been playing solo a lot over the
0: last couple of years, um, and so I definitely these songs are a lot of my re- solo repertoire. Um, so, I've gotten I've gotten a little more comfortable playing, and hopefully, you know, the presentation has matured a little yeah. bit too.
2: So, but, what 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 is your stage presence like, and your and your banter, well, if, if you have any?
0: Oh man, I don't know. I'm trying to be more genuine. I'm trying not to. Um, I'm not. I'm trying not to turn any of the songs into a punchline because that yeah. is really um, strikes a very dissonant
2: tone. Yeah. you know what I mean. Um, and that's just, not what you want to do. What
0: it's not at like, all. Not know? at all. You know, I think the story of this record is, I took some really ugly stuff that happened to me, that I didn't have any choice in the matter about, and I turned it into something beautiful it didn't doesn't solve all my problems mm-hmm. it's not going to solve all of your problems i still have to deal with all this stuff but i did i i can t- you know i can take solace in the fact that i made something that i believe is really beautiful um, out of some really ugly stuff mm-hmm. and so that's you know how do i portray that on stage i don't know i'm still working on it you know what i mean yeah. uh, but it's going to i think it's a challenge worth
2: undertaking you know so and I bet a giant weight has been lifted from you in some way, or at least it's starting to. Yeah, I think it's
0: starting to. I think this record is a turning point for me. It's not, you know, it, this, this, all this stuff still is not resolved with me. And I'd be, I'd be lying if I said it was. Yeah. But I think that, um, yeah, it's a very important step
2: in the process for me. Um, and you do have a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, cool musicians who are working with you. And there's a quote from you. Uh, that you say when you have sympathetic musicians they're playing changes as they respond to the way you sing so talk about sympathetic musicians and what sure. you, what do you mean by that well you know there's
0: there's a curve right that I think we're all on as musicians and and a lot of, for most of your life you're just trying to to, to play right right you're trying to play correctly um, but when people kind of transcend that and certainly that applies to a lot of the musicians that played on my record you um, they're able to kind of let go of all that and let go of focusing on playing in time or in tune and really listen to what's going on in the room. And it becomes much more conversational. Mm-hmm. And I found that, especially with John Combertino, the drummer, who's just magnificent. He's, he's one of the best musicians I've ever met in my life. He never, not one take was the same. You know, a lot of great musicians, every take is identical and that's a skill in itself. But with John, not one take was was even, you know, similar because he was listening to my vocal inflections and really responding to those each time and all the other musicians in the room. Right. And that's the same. Yeah. Daniel Walker, who's been playing with me in Red Jacket Mine for the last five years, just about. He's um, he's, you know, the star of this record in a lot of ways, too. He's just uh, amazing, amazingly sensitive musician. Keith Lowe on bass, everybody, Johnny Sangster, the producer, right. also played guitar. Um, they were all just really listening. They were they, they were there with me, and I really learned a lot by singing live in the studio, something I had never really attempted to do before because mm-hmm. it's hard. Um, it was really important for me to do that, this record, because I wanted the, the end product to really... Um, uh, you know, when you sing live in the studio you're hearing the record as it goes down right there's no trickery after the fact and that's difficult to do but you're hearing the drummer respond to that vocal inflection that I just made and that's what the listeners gonna get to and yeah anyway it was really it was really powerful for me and'm I'm, I'm really really glad that we did it that way
2: now earlier you mentioned uh, you made a joke about your dad being in the audience <laughs> of your show at Al's den yeah uh, how do you think and I'm just assuming he's the uh, perpetrator? the perp as people might say that's
0: he's the primary one yeah
2: right um how do you think he
0: would respond to this record I don't know man I I really don't I think um well actually you know what I hope that if he listens to it that it would actually I'm sure that he would feel badly about it I know that he does feel badly about a, a lot of these things but, you know, I'm not speaking about him necessarily as a perpetrator, even though he is. I'm speaking about him as a victim because he, I come from a long line of tormented abusers and a long line of frustrated preachers. And uh, and I'm breaking that chain. Right. You know what I mean? And so I think my dad or anybody who's been on the other side of that equation that doesn't come out of nowhere nobody just wakes up and decides that they should beat their kids you know what i mean because yeah. it sounds fun right you're imitating you're you know and so i so i in writing these songs and in going through this process i've actually identified a lot more with my dad i he's i haven't let him off the hook but i I can empathize with him because I understand where that comes from. And a lot of the behaviors that I saw when I was growing up, I understand them so much more as a 34-year-old man because I'm like, you know how I feel today? That's how my dad felt. That's the weight that he was carrying around every day. Wow. And so I hope that it would actually be touching and in a strange way even comforting to him even though it's probably a very uncomfortable listen.
2: Are you going to share this record with him?
0: I would like to. I would like to. Um, we're estranged at the moment. Um, I'm Not from my entire family, but there's not, it's not a open lines of communication. So when the time is right, I hope that he hears it and I hope that we can talk about it. Um, yeah. We'll wow.
2: see. Well, uh, Lincoln, we are, we're out of time, but this has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you, man. I really appreciate your time and, and learning a bit about you, no, I, you know, I appreciate the chance this. to talk to you through always. This. Um, so Lincoln Bar, uh, new solo album coming out February 10th called Trembling Frames. I happen to have a vinyl copy right now because <laughs> Lincoln Bar uh, gave me one. Uh, <laughs> and March 8th, you have a show at the Royal Room, but people can go to Lincoln Bar that's bar with two R's, LincolnBarMusic.com, and they can find out more about you and, and, uh, See where you're touring and everything, right? Absolutely. Yep. So, yeah, we're going to go out here with Fellowship of Haunted Things, the album closer and uh, again, Lincoln, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is the remix on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM, Seattle's News, Seattle's Talk.
1: So, you can't tell me there's <laughs> no Fellowship of Haunted Things. There's a certain language only other targets understand. You can never leave the fellowship of haunted things. A haunted child.